We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Gateway Chapel message. Hey, welcome to service again and welcome to the Word of God. I'm super excited about the opportunity to be delivering the Word of God to you today. And I know that God will really bless you. I'm super, super ready to deliver the message just as the Lord dropped it in my heart. So firstly, we'll pray and then I'll share a joke with you and then we go into the Word. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everyone that you have prepared to hear your Word today. We are set our hearts are ready. Speak to us, O oh God, as a man speaks to his friend. Show us your mind. Give us the grace to understand and to do. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen. So I wanted to share a joke with you before I go into the word of God. I'm preaching to you today on a title or a message that is titled, Stop That Thief. Stop That Thief. But before I go into the word, I was just thinking about, I read uh, the story of a gentleman who was after the old issue of appearing happy, appearing joyful, appearing gloriously good. So he was working and he had this great job and then he resigned the job to go and start his business. And when he got into his office on this particular day, uh, it was his first day in the office, everything set down. And then he realized that a gentleman was about to walk through his door. So he realized that somebody was coming through his door. He wasn't particularly ready for a customer, but he wanted to show off, look and have the appearance of somebody that was ready for the customer, and he did what some would do. He picked up his phone, and he started talking, and he went on about, oh, thank you so much for the order in, the, in excess of a 1,000 pounds per day or per person, and that's going to be for 50 days. Oh, that's 50,000. Thank you so much for that. Oh, and the other order that you placed as well. So he went speaking all of this words to appear successful, to appear happy, to appear joyful about what he's doing. Excellent. Great deal. Thank you very much. So he dropped the phone, and he looked at the gentleman at the door. How may I help you? Off? What service should I be to you? And the man said, I am from BT. I've just come to fix your phone. Here he is, showing the appearance of someone that is very successful, speaking on the phone, on deals that wasn't there. And then the man from BT said, well, I know your line is not connected. I've just come to connect it. And sometimes the story of this man, as funny as it could be, it was funny to me when I read it. I'm sure it's funny to you as well. It's very sad as well because someone wants the appearance of being joyful, being happy, without particularly that being the case for him. Many times people want the appearance of something, but it is not what it is. This is a month of great joy, a month that God has prepared for you and I, not just by appearance, but because he has planned something great for you and I. He said to us in the word that he gave us for the month, that is going to be a month of great joy for us. But I want to read you a scripture in the book of John chapter 15, verse 11. John 15, verse 11 says, and I read, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or that your joy may be full. I want to display to you today or say to you today or bring to your attention today that God wants your joy to be full. Joy is good. Happiness is great as well because sometimes people say, well, I'm just meant to be joyful as a Christian, not necessarily happy. No, 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 no. God wants you to be happy as well as he wants you to be joyful. I was, um, I took 
took time out to look at a few things. And today we're going to specifically be looking at things that steal our joy, that you and I have control over that we need to stop. But before I get there, let me tell you something I found out. That there's something called the World's Happiness Report. The World's Happiness Report. And in 2020, it says that United Kingdom is number 13 on the list of countries that people are the happiest in the world. Uh, um, Israel is number 14. America is number 18. Uh, um, it's amazing that the places that you will think where people are comfortable, people are rich, surely they must be happy, surely they must be joyful, and not necessarily the places that they are most joyful. I realized that the Scandinavian countries came first, second, and third in the, in, in the all of the old world of happiness report for 2020. If there was going to be a world of happiness report on you, where exactly are you going to stand? Are you going to just say, well, God wants me to be joyful. I don't need to be happy. I want to submit to you today that God wants you to be happy and joyful at the same time. Joy truly is not happiness. Joy is mentioned 93 times in the Old Testament. Joy and gladness is possible. We're expected to have joy, yes. We're also expected to have gladness, which is happiness. But let me just quickly share a few differences between joy and gladness as I build my case towards the thief that you need to stop. The thief you need to stop are the things that want to steal your joy. So I'm going to talk to you about three of them later, but let's build the case towards that. The first one is that happiness is very cosmetic. It's on the surface. It's based on, okay, I've started an office now and others are coming through the door, so I'm very happy. Whereas joy is something of character. It's from inside. It's not on the surface, it's on the inside. Uh, happiness meets our surface needs and then joy meets all your deepest needs. Happiness is a thermometer that registers your condition, whereas joy is a thermostat that regulates your condition. And that when you look through all those things, you realize that joy is something you really want. You also want happiness, by the way. So you just don't want to say the joy of the Lord is my strength and I'm a Christian, I'm joyful, but I'm miserable and sad on the outside. That's not how God ordained it. God had planned for you and I from the very onset to be happy, to be joyful, to have gladness in our heart alongside the joy that he has delivered to us. God desires for us to experience great joy. I read somewhere, and I think I really, really love this. The two statements I read that I really loved. Since pastors started preaching about the whole issue of great joy and experiencing joy, uh, the first one says happiness is great and it functions best when it is rooted in joy. Happiness is great and it functions well when it is rooted in joy. So if you want to be really genuinely happy, then make sure that the door of your heart is open for joy to be resident in your heart. Now that's the next thing. Joy is the flag that flies in the castle of our heart when the king is in residence there. I love that. Joy is the flag that flies in the castle of our heart when the king is resident there. What does that mean? You know, when the queen is in residence here, the flag of United Kingdom flies. When the queen is not around, how you know she's not around in the palace is the flag isn't there. But the flag flies when the queen is there. The same thing when the king of kings is in our heart. Joy is that flag that constantly flies. So are you really joyful? Are you really joyful? Joy has been given to us as a promise. It's something God delivered to you and I. It's something God promised us. It's something that you've got. It says, my joy, you will have my joy. 
just the same way he gave us his peace. He says he has given us his joy. So you have the joy. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You have the joy. Says the thief comes, however, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life and give you more abundantly. So you got abundant life, but somebody is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that somebody or that something we need to keep a tab on so that we can enjoy the fullness of what God has in stock for us. I was studying the book of Philippians. And I realized something in the book of Philippians, which we're going to look through and see a few lessons that Paul taught us about the three of these thieves that I am talking about today that can steal our joy. See, Philippians was written when Paul was in prison in Rome. Paul was in prison under the Emperor Nero, and he was considered the worst of all the emperors. He was wicked to the core, and he was wicked particularly to Christians. So Paul was not in a great setting. In fact, when he wrote the book of Philippians, which theologians call the book of joy, by the way. So if you, if you have time, read through the book of Philippians. It's a fantastic read. That was the only church that Paul was not addressing or correcting a church in their behavior. So he wrote to them from the depth of his heart to give us just an idea of how he wants a Christian or a Christian church or a Christian person to live their life. So take time to read the book of Philippians. And in, in that little book, four chapters only, Paul talked about joy 20 times. And he wasn't particularly in a, what you would call a joyful place because he was in prison under a wicked emperor. He was actually his last letter because it wasn't long after that, that he was killed. So he was in a bad place, in a bad state, and he still wrote so much about joy. Surely there's something in this joy then. There are a few things to learn about what he taught us in the book of Philippians that I want you and I to keep our attention to. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Philippians. In fact, we're going to read firstly chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. There's something Paul said in Philippians 1, 3 to 4. It says, I thank my God. It says, bear with me a second. It says, thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Every time he's remembering this church, every time he's talking about this church, he always prays for them with joy. So every time he talked in the book of Philippians about this church, about these people, in correcting them, in setting them right, he's constantly talking about his joy. So God really wants you to live a life of joy. However, that does not take off the fact that the devil is out to make sure he steals your joy. And if he steals your joy, you can't experience the joy, the people around you can't see the joy, then you will not make a good testimony or be a good testimony of what the word of God says about you. So what are the three things that I want to raise from this scripture in the book of Philippians, chapters 1 through to 4, that could steal our joy? What thief do you need to stop? There are quite a few of them, but I only have time for three today. The very first one that I want us to look at is the thief of complaint. The thief of complaint. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through to 15, it says, do all things without complaining or grumbling that you may be blameless, innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation amongst whom you shine as light in the world. It says, make sure you do everything without complaining or grumbling. God does not want you and I to complain. God does not want us to dwell in the place of grumbling. Paul had every reason 
to grumble, to complain, to criticize, to get upset, but he chose not to. Actually, I read a statement, which I thought was really fun, really good, by Eleanor Roosevelt that says, great minds discuss ideas, and average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people, and the smallest minds complain about other people. If you really want to live in joy, you've got to learn not to complain. God does not like people that complain. And when the devil knows that something will take you away from God, he slowly introduces it into your life. Complaint is a big challenge in the body of Christ, and you have to be very, very careful. You can choose not to complain, and you can choose to dwell on the platform of complaint. I read the story of um, a particular gentleman who had a big, he thought he had a big problem. He had a wife, and he had four children, and they were living in one room in the house, and he didn't like it. He constantly kept complaining, and one day the wife said, I'm tired of you complaining. Go and complain to the rabbi. So he went to the church, and he went to complain to the rabbi, and the rabbi asked him a question. He said, do you have animals on your farm or within your area? She said, yes, I only have one goat. No, I only have one cow and I have one goat and I have three chickens. So the man said, okay, take all of them and go and put them in your room. He was already complaining that his room was rowdy, the children were unruly and so on and so forth. So he said, okay, I'll do everything the rabbi tells me to do. Maybe that's what's going to make me stop complaining and give me happiness. So he took them all, he took them into the room. And then he ran back to the rabbi the next day and he said, Disaster it was, disaster it was. It was really bad. The car was all over the place. The goat was all over the place. The chicken just won't stop and the children won't stop, nor the wife. So he said, so the rabbi said to him, okay, remove the three chicken and take them back outside into the barn. So he took the chicken out. And then he ran back to the, uh, to the, to the rabbi two days later. I said, rabbi, it's a little bit better where he's really, really in a bad state. He said, because the, the, the goat keeps making noise. The cow just won't settle down. And the family the same. So the rabbi then said, okay, that's fine. You remove the goat. So he removed the goat and now he has the cow and the family in the room. And he went back again day four and then the rabbi said to him, now go remove the cow. So he removed the cow day four and then he went back to the rabbi and the rabbi said, how is life? He said, life is so good. It's only my family in the house and everybody is fine. We are joyful. Everybody is settled. Now, but at the beginning, he said life was unbearable because of these same people. Sometimes we just find ourselves complaining because we think life is worse for us than it is for other people. But until you then see something else, then you realize that you are just complaining about things that God has done well. You can't complain and praise with the same so if you are going to keep your joy, you have to run away from complaints and criticism. Criticisms and complaints, they are thorns in the life of any believer. If the devil knows that God is going to turn his eyes away from you for anything, he makes sure that he makes you do that thing. You've got to run away from complaints. See, some of these things, these three things I'm going to talk about, they are things that you see in people's lives, and they are not very obvious to the person that is doing that. They are bad habits that will pick up along the way. And if you want to experience great joy and happiness all the days of your life, you have to work on these things. He says, it made that, one of the things that I understood about complaining is that complaining is easy, but God told us as believers not to complain. Unfortunately, it's a very difficult habit to break. Unless you are conscious of it, you can't break the habit of complaining. Some of us say it's only a little wine. It's only a little moon. It doesn't matter what you call it. God is not happy about it. And when you complain, then you are very easily not going to see what is working in your life. And before you know it, your joy will be stolen. The devil can steal your joy by introducing complaints into your life. You complain about the child, you complain about the husband, you complain about the neighborhood, you complain about the government, you complain about everything just because everybody has a conversation and just need to put your two pens in it. Don't put your two pens of complaint. 
Some people even complain about their churches. How do you complain about your church in front of your children and you expect them to go to that church and go and worship tomorrow? How does that work? God does not want you to live your life in the place of complaints. And the devil knows that if he introduces it subtly into your life, you will find it difficult to keep your joy going. Because God will remove himself and then you can't fly the flag of joy in your building. So be very, very careful. Be very careful how you live your life. Complaining tears down the things that God has built. Complaining focuses on the negative in people's lives. If you really want to have joy, unspeakable, the, the, the fullness of joy in your life, gladness expressed in everything you do, you have to run away from the spirit of complaint. It's a subtle spirit, but you've got to run away from it. The common thing that happens to people that complain is that they have critical spirit. Critical spirit. You have to stop the thief of complaints and criticism. It will keep you small. It will remove your joy. It will never allow you to experience the fullness of what God has in stock for you. The second thing we need, so, so how do you deal with the spirit of complaints and criticism? Praise. Praise is the solution. Make sure you praise the Lord for everything you have. Praise the Lord for the little. Praise the Lord for the big. Praise the Lord when it's going well. Praise the Lord when you think it's not going well. Praise the Lord all the way. You can't praise the Lord and complain at the same time it doesn't work. And the devil knows it. The thing about praising is that when you praise and you start singing and you start talking about the goodness of the Lord, thanking him for what he's done, all of a sudden joy starts bubbling from within you. All of a sudden, you start seeing reasons why you should be very grateful for what you've got. You've got a lot. Like that man that went to the rabbi, you've got so much. You just don't know it. But when you focus on what God is doing for you and you begin to praise him for it, complaint slips away from your life. Criticism moves away from your life. The second thing that Paul said in the book of Philippians as well, that the children of God in the book of Philippians should mind and be careful of is conflict. Conflict is another thief that can easily steal our joy. It's so easy to find yourself in a conflict zone. It's so easy to find yourself in a place where conflict steals your joy. The Bible made us understand that in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verses 17 to 18, Paul said this. He said, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfishness, ambition, and not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me thinking to create conflicts for me, thinking to cause me problems while I'm in prison. But the Bible says, it says, what, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed in that, in that I rejoice. He was in prison. He was going through a tough time. Yet some people chose to start preaching Christ in order to harass him. So they were giving statements about him. While he was not there to defend himself, he could very easily have gotten very upset but he chose not to see things that way. He chose not to find himself in a conflict zone. In actual fact, he said, it doesn't matter what their basis for preaching is. It doesn't matter why this problem is arising. What is conflict? Arguments between two people. Misunderstanding between two people. The problem of conflict is this, that if you're not careful, you will realize that conflict gets you from that point to the point of anger, to the point of unforgiveness. And before you know it, you are rolling in a place where God will have to run away from you and joy cannot be expressed in your life. Conflict is a very bitter thing and it's one of the thieves you need to stop. You see, the thing about these thieves I talk about today are things that you yourself can work on them. You don't even need a third party. You can make up your mind that you're not allowing yourself to dwell in the place of conflict and that's exactly what 
Paul did. Paul made sure even though he was in jail, it was in a difficult position, it was in a difficult place, he chose not to see things from the negative, he chose to see things from the positive, he chose not to go into conflict. How do you choose to see things? Some of us have got such thin skin that everything is an issue with you. Everything is a problem. He said it like this, I'm going to take offense, I'm upset about this, and I'm upset about that. And the problem of being upset is this. After a while, you take offense so much, by the time you start taking offense so much, then the spirit of bitterness comes into your heart. When bitterness comes in, resentment comes in, all the negatives that come with them. And what I've come to realize over the years is that these kind of things, they deposit negative or toxins into the lives of people and creates physical illnesses and ailments that you never even planned for. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Conflict is not what God has designed for your life and unresolved conflict in particular steal your joy. Conflict will come. There's no way that we will not sometimes have conflict within ourselves. But when you allow it dwell in you and become unresolved and then fester and then it becomes bitterness, then you're in serious trouble because prolonged anger then gets you further and further away from the place of happiness, from the place of joy. God has prepared for you an opportunity to express greatness of joy. But whether you will or not is dependent on you. Would you stop that thief or allow it continue? You see, forgiveness, I always say to people, is a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling. I feel like forgiving you. No, no, no. If we wait until we feel it, we will never do it. But we choose to forgive because forgiveness is a choice. And it's not a choice whereby you are blessing the other party. It's actually a choice whereby you are releasing yourself from bitter things, from the things that will not allow the flag of joy to continue to fly in your castle. God wants to dwell in your castle. God wants to bless you beyond your widest dream, and the devil knows it. So he will try and introduce things so that your blessing doesn't stick. God wants your joy to stick. God wants your peace to stick. God wants your blessing to stick. God wants to make you successful, and he will. That's his plan for your life. But whether these things stay or not or get stolen away is dependent on what you allow yourself to get into. Please, I beg of you, run away from the spirit of conflict. It doesn't take anything to say sorry one to the other. It doesn't take anything to submit your flesh and allow the Spirit of God take charge. Many of us will lie down on the pulpit and say, Lord, I have brought my heart to you, over to you, O Lord. But when we leave the church, we pick it up again and say, Lord, I take on this conflict because this is it. I don't like anyone talking to me like this, so because of that, I've got to show that I know what I'm doing. No, you know what you're doing, but it's too expensive. This continuous anger, this continuous unforgiveness, this continuous conflict, even though you think you have a reason, is a very expensive place to be. It will steal your joy. See, the thing is this. You are the one that has the key to the locker room that has your joy and all your goods in it. For people, some people have their, some people, they, 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 pay, they give their offering, they give their tithe, they serve faithfully, they do all they know to do, and God wants to bless them indeed, but they allow the devil to continue to cut away their goods behind the scene from these little, little foxes that spoils the vine. Be careful, because there's just so much more to your life than what we can see now. 
That conflict is not worth it. That conflict is too costly. And I need you to see. Paul looked at what these people are doing. Paul is the one that planted the church. Paul is the one that did the hard work. Paul is the one that was encouraging his church. And then a bunch of people came and they want to forget about Paul and introduce different things in their own way. And Paul looked and said, it doesn't really matter. And the truth is, it doesn't really matter. How do you fight constant conflict? By choosing peace. How do you fight conflict? By choosing peace. The first one I said that is the thief that you need to get rid of is the thief of complaints. And how do you fight complaints? By choosing praise. How do you fight conflict? By choosing peace. There are conscious choices that you can make. And I want you to make them because I want to celebrate God with you. God has so much that he has planned for you. God's blessing is so vividly and evident. He wants to show and pour it upon your life. But whether you will allow that work is really down to you. You got to stop this thief. I'm one for this. When the man of God declared that this month is going to be a month of great joy, I expect great joy. I expect testimonies of great joy. So if yours doesn't come, then ask yourself, what is stopping it? Because something might be sipping the joy and even the gladness from the back of the box of the storeroom where you have placed them or where God has placed them for you. It's time for you to manifest joy. It's time for you to manifest happiness. It's time for the glory of the Lord to be seen upon you. But would you allow it? The third, which is the last of these uh, things that you need to watch out for and be very careful about, is the spirit of comparison. Three things. Three things that the enemy can use to steal our joy. The first one, he can use complaint. The second one, it can use conflict. The third one, I want to dwell on this a little bit more and show you somebody who lived through this in the Bible is the spirit of com comparison. In fact, I read a, a statement from Theodore Roosevelt that said, comparison is the, is the thief of joy. Actually, that's where the whole of this sermon and the topic came from. Comparison is the thief of joy. If you want to be a happy person, you've got to learn to refocus and make sure that you are not living another person's life, comparing yourself to another person. You were all good until you saw neighbor X. I read a statement. I thought it was really funny. I said, uh, the statement says something along this line. It says, have you ever noticed that we buy things we don't need with the money we don't have to impress the people we don't even like and we try to keep up with them, with the Joneses, only for us to realize that by the time we catch up with them, the Joneses have just refinanced and moved. The Joneses have just refinanced and moved. You are constantly trying to be like somebody else, to be in somebody else's plates, to be in somebody else's shoes. You are constantly living your life watching party A or party B. You can't live your life that way. It will steal your joy. You will never have time to actually look at yourself and be grateful for the things that are happening in your life. You look at their other child and you say, oh, how come their own children behave so well? My own does not. All of a sudden, you're not grateful about your child. How come their own, that, that girl's husband is like this? It does this, that, and the other for her. Mine do not. I've come to realize that some people are always happy about what they have until they see other people's things. And all of a sudden, they lose their joy. They lose their joy because of what is happening in other people's lives. 
Your job was fine. You were great with the rates they are paying you per day. And all of a sudden, you found out that they pay Miss X more. And you now have a problem. Until you earn more than them, you are never going to be at peace. You're never going to enjoy it. That job that you gave a testimony about is now a job that you're constantly moaning about because you know somebody else on the team that earns more than you. That's no life. That is not how God designed for you to live your life. That is a thief, a conscious thief that wants to steal your joy away from you. The Bible made us understand in the book of Philippians chapter 4. In your own time, go back and read Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. And, if, and Paul said, we should not compare ourselves one with the other. Don't compare yourself with anybody. Comparison is a thug. It's a thug that robs you of your joy. But it's even worse because it's also a thug that makes you beat other people down. So it makes sure that you are robbed of your joy. And then you have negative words to speak about other people because you're not happy that they are progressing and you have to talk them down. That's, that's wrong. On every level, that is wrong. That is not how God designed for you to live your life. That is not how God designed for you to enjoy what he has prepared for you. He has joy in stock for you. Joy unspeakable, unspeakable, gladness all over. He planned them all for you. But whether you experience them or not, depends on if you get rid of this thief of joy in your life. Um, a trap that we can easily get into without even knowing is a trap called comparison. If you turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, let me read through this to you and then tell you one or two things from here before we close. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through to 9. The Bible made us understand there's a story of Saul and David. Saul was fine until he heard the comparison that other people gave between him and David. The Bible says in verse 18, and they were coming home. And as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. Have a listen. They did not come to meet David. They came to meet King Saul. So they were coming to rejoice with King Saul for the guy, David, that have won the battle for them. And then he says, with tambourines and with songs of joy, and with musical instrument. And then it says in verse 7, And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck his thousands. David is ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. They came to celebrate with him. But in his mind, he believed that they had preferred one person to him. The Bible says he was angry. And this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000, and they have given to me only 1,000. That is, David now has 10,000 likes, and I have only 1,000 likes. And then he's constantly watching and wondering what's going to happen. This world of social media, where so David is getting more popular than me. And what did he say? He says, and, and what more can he have but my kingdom? Where did that come from? That was a suggestion from his own mind. Everybody was rejoicing. Yes, the women sang and said, Saul has killed this thousand, David 10,000, and all of a sudden he has projected it from there because he's constantly he's comparing himself. What more is he going to have? He's going to come and have my kingdom. David wasn't interested in his kingdom. But that's what happens when you start comparing yourself with other people. I mean, one of the things that is the greatest danger of this day and age is social media, where you are constantly comparing yourself with what somebody else is showing there. You are comparing your regular self with one minute of fame of somebody else. The height of their day is the picture they've put up. 
But you are here, living your 24 hours, focusing on the two minutes in that other person's day, and then you can't enjoy your life anymore. All of a sudden, your car is not good enough. All of a sudden, your home is not great. All of a sudden, your husband is not good. All of a sudden, your children are not well-behaved just because you have seen what somebody else is doing. All of a sudden, it looked as if Saul was not interested in leading the people of God anymore because as far as he was concerned, David was more popular. You know what that means? He was happy looking around. He would rather look around and make his decisions from looking around than looking up to God. That's what comparison makes you do. Comparison makes you look around. And all of a sudden, you take your eyes away from God and what he has blessed you with. You take away your eyes from what God is doing and you start focusing on what all other people are doing. When are you going to stop that? Because that is stealing your joy. God wants you to live a great life. God wants you to live a prosperous life. God wants you to live a blessed life. God wants to live a joyful life. God wants you to live a peaceful life. But as long as you keep comparing yourself with other people, you can never enjoy the fullness of what God has for you. From that moment of that comparison, all the way till he died, Saul lost his peace. Saul lost his joy. Constantly comparing himself with somebody else. When are you going to stop? Because that's not how God has designed life for you. The way God has designed life for you is to enjoy life and enjoy it more abundantly. To enjoy his peace and to have fullness of joy. But fullness of joy will never come if you dwell in the place of complaining. Fullness of joy will never come if you dwell in the place of conflict. Fullness of joy will never come if you dwell in the place of comparison. I want, to, I want to tell you, I want to, I want to beg of you to stop comparing yourself with other people. I want to admonish you to take on what God has given to you and, and, and appreciate and enjoy it. So how do you, tag, how do you tackle uh, uh, this thief, this thief that wants to steal your joy through comparison? I would almost say, practically speaking, you get yourself away from social media. If you can't control and help yourself, get yourself away from social media. In fact, I love something that Paul said when he was talking about how to handle this problem. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13, I love the way Paul put it. He says, I have learned to. It's after, it actually has to be a learned thing. He said, I have learned to abase and I've learned to abound. That is, I've learned not to depend on or look at other people, but I have learned to behave differently because I need to keep my joy. You have to unlearn some of the things that you have learned before. You have to take your eyes away from the things that God has not called you to do. Your children are perfect the way they are. Your husband is perfect the way he is. Your wife is great the way she is. She is not like Mrs. A, but she is not meant to be like Mrs. A because she is your wife. Stop comparing, stop sharing one after the other and say my life would have been better if it was like this person. Incorrect because you don't know exactly what that other person is going for or going at behind the scene. So how do you fight comparison? Focus. How do you fight for comparison? By being on purpose. If you are on purpose, you will be living your own life the way God has designed you and you will be full of joy. So find your purpose and enjoy the fullness of it and then you will radiate, you will shine, the whole world will see it. How do you fight conflict? By choosing peace. How do you fight complaining? By choosing praise. How do you fight comparison? By being purposeful. I want to implore you today. I want to charge you to make sure that you fight the thief that is trying to steal your joy. God has so much in stock for you. You sow your seed 
Maybe in giving. You sow your seed maybe in service. And God is said to bring the blessings of giving. We're going to finish service soon. You're going to give. When you give, God will bless you in return. But when God is bringing his harvest, would you be the one that will also go back there and use your hand and use your habit to uproot every single thing that you have sown? Be careful. Be careful. Because that complaint can uproot the seed you sowed. That conflict can uproot the seed you sowed. That comparison can uproot the seed you sowed. God has so much in stock for you. I want to celebrate you. I want to be on your side. Pastor, I want to be on your side when God is doing great things for you. I want to hear your testimonies. But we have to stop the thief that will not allow you to enjoy the fullness of joy. As I finish, I will round up with this story of this gentleman. I had the story of an old man. And uh, this old man was going into a care home. He was in his 90s. And um, the lady at the care home, he had to sit down and wait for the lady for a good a few hours. And by the time the lady got in, the lady started trying to explain to him what his home will look like, what his room will look like. And as he started going there, he said, oh, I love it. I love it already. And the lady said to him, how would you love it? You don't even know. You have not seen it. He said, no. I love it already, and I'm very, very happy about it because I've already made that decision. It's a decision. So the lady said, why? He said, because I choose to be happy and show joy every day. It doesn't matter whether the room is red or black. It doesn't matter whether the, the blinds are right or not. I choose to be happy. What have you chosen today? Don't allow the thief of joy take away the things that the Lord has blessed you with. Choose to be happy. Choose to be joyful. Choose to live your life in the fullness of what God has planned for you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord give you his peace. The Lord give you joy and gladness round about. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Now let's give our offering to the Lord. Let's celebrate God's faithfulness because it is a good God. And I'm so happy that today we're going to be giving our offering to the Lord in appreciation of who he is and our tithe as well. So it's time for you to bring your offering up to the Lord. It's time for you to bring your tithe to the presence of the Lord. And I know fully well that as you do that, God will bless you in return. That I am sure of. I have no doubt. Don't forget, make sure that there is nothing that will steal the reward of the offering and the tithe that you are bringing to God's presence today. So you bring out your Offering envelope, bring out your cards, bring out all you give away today and lift it up to heaven and let's pray over there. Father, thank you for the opportunity to bring our offering to you. For this, we are grateful. Father, I pray for every giver here present today that you will bless them indeed in the name of Jesus. The Lord Almighty, as they give, no thief will be able to steal that which they have given from them. In the name of Jesus, no wickedness of the enemy will be able to stop them from prospering. They will receive the reward of this giving today to the glory and to the honor of your name. Thank you, Lord, for every giver. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. For everyone that gave their tithe today, Jehovah, we also pray that as you said in your word, you open your window from heaven and pour out a blessing that they will not have enough room to contain. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Now, if for any reason you're listening to me today and you have not had a chance to give your life to Christ, I will be very, very grateful to God. 
and uh, be, 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 feel like a privileged one to get a chance to lead you to Christ today. So if you are not yet saved, you've not consciously given your life to Christ, or you can't even remember if you have done that or not, put your hand on your chest and let me pray with you as I lead you to Christ today. Just say these words with me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. I am a sinner and I accept Christ into my life today, knowing fully well that he has come to take away my sin. Lord, today I accept Christ and, 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 and I am thankful that I am now a new member of your household. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Father, thank you for everyone that gave their lives to Christ today. For this, we are thankful and grateful. Lord, it's my prayer for every one of them that as you have welcomed them into your kingdom, you will graft them into your household. You will root them in your presence, O oh God. They will grow and germinate and display more and more of your goodness, your greatness, and your joy in every area of their lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you for all these new ones in you. Thank you for everyone who's rejoicing for all these souls. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.